Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life Self Mastery. In today, I'm excited to have Adit Podar, who's a managing partner at Gemba Capital, which invests in angel rounds and tech-enabled startups focused on India consumption and cross-border SaaS. Prior to this, uh, Adit worked at Motila Loswal PE Fund in Mumbai and had an entrepreneurial venture called Crepitaria, which is a chain of quick-serve restaurants operating in Mumbai, Hyderabad, and Pune. Welcome to the show, Adit. Thank you very much, Rohit. Thank you for having me here. Awesome. So, how did you get into into this crazy world of venture capital? Oh, my first exposure to PVC space was was actually in my first job at ICICI Bank, wherein I was part of the international uh, banking uh, division, where uh, you know heading the alternative uh, investment asset class. So, there uh, we used to the our role was to come up with newer products for our relationship managers to sell. and that is the time where we launched uh, a private equity fund for our relationship managers to select to hnis and nris uh, of uh, you know globally so that is where i kind of uh, uh, first got my understanding of how a private equity fund works what's a road show and how things are done uh, so that is where my first stint was and then i went into become uh, an entrepreneur uh, in the qsr space i ran that business for four and a half five years post that uh, did investment banking for a couple of years which was more on the sell side and i wanted to move on the buy side and that's where i joined a private equity fund uh, motilal oswal where i saw the entire cycle from investments to exits uh, and that is where really you know uh, i started really liking and loving uh, the entire pvc investing space and uh, from uh, private equity i started my second entrepreneurial venture called gemba capital and moved to early stage uh, tech investing tech enabled businesses in, in investing in them uh, and that's how uh, i am right now into this space right and that's how i got into it it really interesting because you know you've been a a founder and operator and you worked as a as a uh, in in a p firm and now into vc but uh, how did you mindset uh, mindset shift shift from investing you know uh, in an p fund to a, a venture capital fund Oh yes, uh, initially it was very difficult, uh, you know, because uh, the definition of risk actually changes when you invest uh, in a classic private equity deal compared to a VC uh, or an early stage investing space. Um, and initially, it was very tough to to change that mindset because there are no numbers, there are no financials, uh, you know, the product is in an MVP stage. There's just small amount of traction, so you can't really use your uh, learnings of private equity to kind of make an investment. You will never be able to. so uh, at private equity we would like used to look at cash flows free cash flows you know capital allocation skills of the founder roc roe so it's completely different right uh, the i think the way it changes is it becomes more of a founder assessment it becomes more of a, a art to a way to in, in a way i say more than the science and uh, the focus goes more on the founder market fit the uh, the product uh, you know how the how the market is what are the dynamics what's the go to market strategy these kind of things sometimes are not applicable in a in a pe fund wherein you know the founders are already achievers they already have a market share they already have a product which is doing phenomenal uh, numbers so the so that's the the difference you know the things which you look out for is very different in a pe space versus a vc space here you are looking at more hustlers and growth mindset uh, founders right right 
Right. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, these are definitely testing times. Uh, so I wanted to understand that, you know, uh, on Twitter space, lot, uh, it's, it's been said that VCs are open for business and I wanted to understand, you know, are, are venture capitalists still writing checks and how has the deal flow impacted in these times? See, if you look at any VC structure, you know, there is no really a liquidity option in the middle of the fund for, for an LP, right? Right. So, uh, uh, so all those VCs who already have dry powder will continue to invest. They might slow down their investments to assess the situation and to rightly so focus more on their portfolio companies. They might increase their reserve allocations to follow on uh, investments in their existing portfolio companies, which are good, but probably are facing a tough time. So to that extent, some of some slow uh, uh, in uh, some uh, um, will happen in terms of new investments. But having said that, uh, uh, investments will continue uh, VCs uh, will always be open for business. In fact, post-COVID, a lot of good startups will again go back to uh, a fundraise mode and go back to uh, raising capital. And I'm sure VCs will be ready for that. Uh, in, 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 in terms of deal flow, uh, yes, again, temporary dip in deal flow. Uh, major reason for it would be, would be that even startups have realized the new situation and, uh, and know that this is the, not the right time to go out and raise funds. Uh, because there would be probably a valuation cut or or probably a flat round. So uh, they would also first try to cut their costs, remove all the unnecessary uh, flap they have, and then try to extend their runway and then probably go out for a fundraise. So, uh, and also to that end, their the business model will also probably become more sustainable and more, uh, the part to profitability will be probably more clearer by then. So um, yeah, there will be a, 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 a slow, um, growth in on the deal flow side as well but it will all be temporary right and uh, you know i wanted to understand about b2b and b2c uh, market place because uh, i think uh, uh, definitely i mean mo- most of the uh, uh, most of the sectors have been impacted but how the b2b and b2c uh, world has been impacted by covid and what steps would you recommend for founders to you know come out of it see the way i see b2b and b2c uh, it, it, it's not about uh, B2B or B2C. It's more about the industry and the sector, which uh, in some certain cases will get high impacted and in certain cases will got, it will not get impacted. Like consumer discretionary probably will obviously get impacted, right? Uh, no. But if you, if you uh, look at it, uh, you know, it depends upon where you are in the value chain, right? In the end, uh, it is the consumer, the human, the man who's kind of spending and consuming, right? Uh, so if if you are a B2C business, you will be the first to get impacted and probably the, the most to get impacted. But in the value chain, again, there, there are a lot of B2B companies, right? So for example, if you are an auto OEM, right? Uh, you, you, you will get impacted first, but then the next impact will be on the B2B auto ancillary. And then the next impact would be on a, probably a component or a system supplier. And then the one which is probably supplying the commodity, the steel, the aluminum, right? So uh, the the further, the earlier you are in the value chain, probably the impact will be probably a little lower or it will come a little later. But in the end, all of uh, uh, the companies will get impacted. You know, if, if someone in the value chain delays payment, it will go on all the way to, to the first guy, right? Uh, so in these certain cases, the companies which are more diversified, have multiple sources of revenue, multiple sources, multiple uh, uh, industries which they serve, those are the ones which will probably uh, survive uh, this uh, COVID impact much better than others. Uh, and, and, and coming to your question about uh, what steps need to be taken, I'm 
I'm sure there are so many webinars already out in the market of you know people advising what steps to be taken. But really, if you go to see uh, these, these are the same things which people are talking about, wherein you just kind of uh, in in bad times don't kind of move too much. Just try to you know uh, do as less as possible, consume as less as possible your energy, your cost, your resources, your money, and try to kind of sustain and rethink, recalibrate the market conditions, your strategy, your your fundraise strategy, everything probably uh, go ahead. So it's a good time for founders to actually take a step back, go back to the drawing room and uh, and, and rebuild, right? With a, with a different uh, perspective and a different market condition. Got it. And uh, I know it's, it's important to survive and, you know, go through uh, this next three to six months and uh, basically, yeah. Uh, yeah, go back to the fundamentals. Right? And, uh, you know, I wanted to understand, you know, what are the, uh, you know, core questions that we see um, yeah, ask a founder when they when they're looking at uh, you know uh, at va- valuations. Do you think valuations are, are really important when you assessing an opportunity? Uh, so again, that depends upon what kind of an investor are you. So for me, let's say if I'm a very very early stage investor investing in seed round, uh, uh, sometimes valuation does not matter because for me, I need to. Uh, you know, it's it's better to invest, let's say, in a Google at at ten x the price of what I would have thought would be the right price, than to miss out on not investing in Google. Right, the opportunity cost is much high. So uh, uh, it depends really on the fund strategy. Anything which is abnormally high is obviously indicating and signaling many other things about the founders. So that's a call you take. But uh, uh, for early stage VCs, my recommendation would be that valuations uh, mat- do not matter so much as it matters to a private equity investor uh, who probably just will look like uh, how public markets are reacting, what are the public market comparables, you know, whether will I make my 30% IRR on, at this kind of a valuation, will, will there be a, a multiple expansion or just the growth which I need to kind of, uh, you know, capture in the model, uh, the projections, do I need to discount it further considering the new situation. So all those questions, all those things uh, do matter for, for let's say a growth or a mid-stage VC, but uh, for early stage, the questions still remain the same about the product, the market, the founders. And uh, you know, since you're early stage investor, you know, uh, what is important to you? Is it is it the market or the idea or the, the person you want to invest into? So this is always a question which has, uh, uh, which is always debatable. Each uh, fund and each investor has a different view. Uh, for me, uh, you know, what is more important is the market and the founder. Uh, the product or the idea actually is not so important at the stage which I invest in. Uh, uh, for me, it is it is critical that the market is big. That's it. Uh, and and then uh, what is more important are the founders because there are so many unknown variables when I invest that I am more dependent upon the captain of the ship to kind of steer it to a certain level till an organization is built and a second layer is built. So it is important that how uh, the founder is, the founder market fit is. And eventually, if the founder is great and high quality, even if the product is not correct in the initial MVP stage, it can pivot, it can kind of move to a different level, it can change. Uh, even the markets probably can change, but uh, in terms of pivoting the entire, entire market. But uh, founder remains the same. So for me, founder is important and then obviously uh, good market because uh, even if you're a very high quality founder, but if the market is poor, you, the market will win. 
Right. And, uh, you know, I, I worked in, in, in a SaaS company and a marketplace and a tech company, but, but uh, you know, what advice would you give to founders on, uh, on, on the go-to-market strategy, uh, you know, pertaining to uh, some of the portfolio companies do you have? What, what suggestion do you have for founders? See, the way I think about it is first identifying your TAM itself, right? That's the most critical part before you kind of decide on how to go to market. Uh, I, 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 as Peter Thiel has put it, it's better to, if you have a, a strategy in place to get, to capture 10% of a very, very small micro market rather than directly aiming for 0.1% or 1% of a very, very large market, right? First, get that right. You know, you will see initial signs of early product market fit. You will see signs of customers loving your product. You will see signs of your playbook getting built, right? And that's the time you kind of then go out and raise further growth capital and go out to other markets or try to go uh, capture deeper penetration and expand the market. But initially, it's important for the founder to actually uh, make mistakes, experiment initially, but get that thing right before expanding too fast, too quickly. It's like you need to know how to kind of you know walk before you start running, right? And right. and once you've established that, then you can probably uh, go into uh, other spaces. In fact, I'll give you an analogy here. Like for example, if I if I'm a founder and if the and, and if I see a large tree in front of me, right, and which has a lot of fruits, the first thing I'm going to do is pluck the low hanging fruit. Isn't it very obvious, right? right. I pluck that. Then what I'll do is then I have to stretch probably to get the other fruits, right? So I have to probably put in some more efforts to get and stretch and get the other fruits. Now, beyond a point, I can't even go stretch beyond a point. So I would probably need a ladder to get those fruits which are higher up, right? Uh, once I get those, then what? Again, yeah, I need to again uh, change, uh, add some feature, get some tool, get some technology, get something to go to get fruits which I'm not able to reach even with a ladder, right? And then eventually, uh, you know, probably the tree does not have enough fruits and I have to go and look at the other tree as well, right? So that's the way probably at, at every step uh, you build your product and your journey and and, and, and try to capture the market. Right, and um, uh, are you, are you uh, you know, sector agnostic and uh, or do, you, do you have any sectors which you, which you feel uh, you're more bullish on? Yes, so uh, overall they're very sector agnostic because I don't want, want to at this stage take suboptimal bets uh, by investing in a very uh, niche or a, a segment or a small segment. But having said that, uh, uh, you can't go into depth of every sector if you become very sector agnostic with a small member uh, team the way we have. So we've identified two areas. One is SaaS. Uh, we really feel that India's time has come for SaaS and there will be much, many more unicorns in SaaS space because we're building fantastic products right here in India and, and selling it globally. Um, so those are the businesses which we really love and uh, we're focusing on. And second is uh, the domestic consumption really, you know, whether it's tier two, tier three cities, whether it's the budget category, the, the middle or the lower middle class, where there are still so many problems not yet solved. And now you have the entire infrastructure and all the uh, you know, uh, levers for, for these, these markets to kind of you know, grow into large markets. And you like founders and, and products which are kind of serving that segment. And that could be either in edutech or fintech or agritech, doesn't matter. But that is one area, a large opportunity which we feel uh, we'll, we'll look at investing in. 
Right. Uh, so interesting, you pointed about about SaaS companies, and we got uh, Freshworks and Druva and few other companies which have which are which are valued at billion dollars. Uh, so you know, in the next couple of years, you know, w- w- what would a SaaS founder need to do so that he's not only restrained to India and Southeast Asian countries, but also you know go global. See, one thing is uh, every few years the playbook changes. You can't. If you're a SaaS founder in India and and working on a playbook which is ten year old, probably will not work, right? right? You need to change that, and and how you need to change that is to kind of have a clear understanding in terms of how the market is moving, what are customers buying, who your customer is, very very strong understanding of that, and and then kind of build your business around that and a business model which has uh, its own legs. Like for example, there was this trend of you know uh, uh, all the uh, uh, enterprise products all the consumer products were becoming uh, in the end going to enterprises as well like zoom for that matter or slack for that matter started right. off with as a consumer products but becoming uh, you know an enterprise product Correct. So how how things are getting different like you you hear about superhuman taking two years to launch the product right, right. Uh, uh, which is completely different from fail fast launch fast uh, you know ship fast and then learn and then relearn and then change so things keep changing you need to kind of uh, if you want to succeed you need to know what's going to work at that time how how behaviors are changing how adoption is changing uh, who are the people who are the new breed of people who are going to adopt your product and then you know once you get all that in place for you know there is a recipe for success Right. So, you know, I wanted to understand about about uh, you know uh, your reserve allocation on on the start on the startups on you've already bidded uh, since it's it's a it's a young fund. So, what are your thoughts on you know how do you allocate capital? See, the way I think is uh, I have kept a number of UX in my mind, which is basically fifty percent uh, allocation for reserve allocations. So, if I'm investing hundred k in a company, I should have another hundred k to invest in that company. Uh, i know some people would probably recommend a higher reserve allocation probably 70% 60% but i think a 50% reserve allocation is is good enough because uh, i also need enough money on hand to build a initial portfolio right because if i am short of that then a i do not have the probability of getting a rocket ship in my portfolio uh, so there is no question of reserve funding uh, or uh, probably i'll have to then cut too small a check Uh, to increase the number of uh, companies in my portfolio, which probably I would not want to do it. So hence, to kind of maintain the balance, uh, I have kept a fifty-fifty kind of a, a number uh, for reserve allocation. But yeah, you need to like, uh, I think that is one area which a lot of uh, people don't realize that uh, you need to uh, double down on winners. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if if somebody is uh, is able to you know grow at an ex- exceptional space, uh, you know it 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 makes sense to invest more into that startup. Yes, yes. Right, and uh, you know, interestingly, in last uh, two months, uh, all over the world, you know, people have been forced to become remote, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, w- you know, what what are your uh, thoughts? Other than you using the uh, the the usual products like Slack and Zoom, what what is it that we that a you know founder and employees would need to do so that you know the the morale is up and uh, you know the remote work culture can can really uh, uh, you know be part of the culture. See, one thing clearly which COVID has kind of impacted and shown to the world is that uh, companies can function with a majority of their uh, employees working remotely, right? work from home will probably become mainstream and probably in certain cases mandatory for all for, for all companies 
because uh, really if you see uh, you nowadays have all the tools which will enable you to work remotely whether it is your video conferencing whether it's your calls or nets or meetings or collaboration tools uh, and and all this has happened because of the rise in in the cloud uh, saas products and the cloud infrastructure right so uh, i don't see any uh, uh, i don't see we going back to uh, you know uh, physical kind of presence required to conduct businesses a lot of the companies in silicon valley were working remotely five years ago also right it's not just okay. that this right now started working remotely uh, the question of company employee morale and things like that uh, that is happening right now because for us it's all new but otherwise right. if once it becomes a standard operating kind of business operating uh, procedure then uh, there is no question of uh, you know company of employee morale going down i understand there is a need for a physical office i understand there is a need for people to kind of socialize meet and, and physically kind of you know interact which is required but uh, that doesn't mean that uh, you need to choose either of the two right you can always have uh, the best of both worlds right depends upon where you see higher productivity and higher efficiency right so you need to probably see that right and other uh, what has happened is a lot of younger founders uh, have now become what time ceos right and mm-hmm. uh, they're not being part of recessions and uh, you know uh, in 2007 8 uh, is when eight, sorry 8 8 to 9 is when uh, we had some sort of a recession in india as well so you know any any advice for founders on how to how to go about uh, you know uh about this particular uh, recession period and what are your thoughts on how long would it be that we would go back to uh, the normal times if there are normal times see uh that is anyone's guess like uh, that how long will we take to go back on on for normal business but surely there is, is going to be an impact or two quarter impact on the on the earnings on the revenue for most of the companies and as i said earlier for some companies to be higher for some companies to be low but there will definitely be an impact so uh, you need to plan for the next two quarters for sure before uh, there's some rebound happening on the on on in recovery happening we would probably be in a recession right and 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 uh, that is still better than than being in a depression right, right. so uh, uh, founders need to just uh, as i said earlier need to uh, uh, you know cut out all the expenses which are not required and extend their runways uh but if you are in a business which is like a remote uh business right tools then then obviously there's a time for you to kind of you know uh hit the engine and kind of capture ma- maximum market share and customers but generally 90% of the other businesses which have been impacted the ceos just need to kind of uh, remain cool keep in touch regularly with their employees keep their morale high you know if you have any technical debt uh, outstanding kind of complete that build you know build your product uh research more talk to more people try to gather more market intelligence and uh, and i think generally do things like that and and, and obviously listen to limited webinars and take limited advice uh you know i think otherwise you just kind of you know don't know what to do and you get all confused so right. just uh i i think uh, execute in a but in a more long term strategic way more importantly in the end the 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 sustainable uh profitability or sustainable uh business model is what you should probably aim to and chalk out a plan at how do we you know go from here to a point where we actually probably do not need any external funding right if you reach that then uh, then you have all the options open right and you, I, i think that's what most of the founders should do now 
Right, interesting. And you know, you you, you talked about uh, remote uh, uh, tools, and your you know your last uh, investment had been in AirMeet, uh, which is which is like a Zoom alternative. So, you know, how how did how did that deal flow come to you, and why did you make uh, investment in AirMeet? Sure. So AirMeet is is basically uh, is an online uh, conference tool as of now. Okay. So right. basically, it's replicating uh, the offline conference and recreating the entire experience online. Uh, it has a registration desk, a panel discussion, booths to showcase products, uh, investor lounges where you can do one-to-one meetings. You know, and between your networking breaks, uh, between speaker sessions. Uh, so I, I, when I saw the product, I was in love with the product. Uh, it's a global product, uh, can be sold anywhere uh, sitting in India. You don't need an on-ground sales team uh, to do that. Uh, it's low touch, high velocity. Uh, it's a it's a complete tech product. So obviously, high gross margins, perfect to what kind of things which we like. Has the ability ability to become like an enterprise product as well the way Zoom has become with you know with more integrations and, and more uh, features. So you can actually make that. So it's basically the UI, UX, the simplicity. The, the founders are uh, are great, and the world is going remote and accepting it, right? Uh, so so it's just kind of you know been the right time. And, uh, and and solving a real problem, right? Because a lot of these offline conferences are not productive, right? Uh, right? So we love these kind of businesses, no operational intensity, no distribution cost, solving a real problem and good set of investors as well, right? Axel and, and other good set of investors. And even the founders were very smart. They kind of, you know, opened it, like made it more like a party round, which is not a bad thing to do in, in, in a product like this, because the more the investors, the, the more the product will get known and people will share and people will talk about it more your well wishers in the market, right? So uh, um, yeah, that's why we kind of invested. Yeah, got it. And uh, uh, you know, earlier in, in the uh, in uh, in the podcast, you talked about valuations might be down or it could be flat rounds. You know, what advice would you give to founders on how to manage that? So uh, see, each founder is in a different situation. If you do not have the runway. I don't think so, but there is, you have a choice, but to kind of accept a, a flat round, right? right? Or a down round for that matter, uh, because uh, it's the tough thing which you need to do during tough times, right? And take these steps to, to save your employees, your, your, your investors, you know, your own dream. So uh, there's nothing wrong in that because in tough times, these things do happen. Uh, it can bounce back. You could probably think about it as that, okay, let's recover it in the next round, you know, take this money, build it in such a great fashion that the next round could be, uh, you know, 5x than what probably we could have done uh, you know, earlier, you know, so kind of get that alpha from the next round. But uh, the advice is to go ahead and take it, um, not to kind of, you know, uh, keep trying and, uh, you know, in the end, not having enough money to, to, to run the company. Right. And uh, I quickly want to do the top three uh, questions, which is, uh, uh, do you have any favorite uh, business book? Uh, so one book, which I really enjoyed reading was uh, zero to one by Peter Thiel. Right. Uh, I know many people would, would recommend that, but I, I, I feel that there were a lot of counterintuitive insights when I read it, you know, when I, uh, when I initially was starting, uh, to invest in early stage companies, uh, I would, I, I found some of the concepts there uh, pretty interesting. And then that's one of my favorite books, right? And you know, if you could go back in time when you when you started uh, working on the fund uh, or started the fund, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? So when I started off, I think uh, in hindsight, the mistake which I did was I was somewhere in my mind looking at some safer bets, right? And uh, but the the asset class which I was in was in more was like a early stage 
uh, investing, right? So there's a power law which works there, and and uh, it's either go big or go home. You know, it doesn't right. matter how many of your companies uh, fail, but you need to get find that one rocket ship or two rocket ship which in, which returns the entire fund. So this uh, learning happened a little later for me. Initially, I was looking at okay, you know, this company is not going to be a hundred x for me. But uh, it's definitely going to be a 10x, right? And I'm never definitely not going to lose money. So let me invest here. Might as well I should have taken more uh, riskier bets initially, and not in my mind created that uh, safety net, right? And probably would, should have tried to hit a home run on every ball. Yes. Very interesting. And uh, do you have any favorite online tool? For example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom. Uh, I love Trello actually. It's very simple, easy to manage, and you know, for collaborate. Uh, with my team for deep flow uh, i love uh, google sheet as well i think it's simple but it's pretty pretty powerful tool uh, and lately i've been using notion and kind of uh, liking it correct we will we'll put that in the show notes um, uh, so are, are, what, what is the best way people reach out to you and uh, get to know more about gamba uh, capital uh, the best way to reach out to me is uh, is through my email id it's adit a d i t h at the rate gemba capital dot in uh, it's on my website linkedin i'm pretty active on twitter uh, and uh, obviously references are the best awesome uh, thank you so much for taking your time and speaking to us i uh, really enjoyed speaking to you thank you for having me thanks for listening to the life self mastery podcast where we teach you how to start and grow your online business For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.